Located on the edges of your radio static, you've stumbled upon the lost signal, your podcast destination for tales of horror and the macabre, brought to life with voice acting and sound effects. New episodes are released every two weeks on Monday on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Join us, won't you? Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. What's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays are for the Ghouls, a Podmob podcast. <laughs> and it is Campfire Week this boop, week. Boop, 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 boop. So we're going to tell you some spooky stories. Mm-hmm. Don't be too scared now. Don't be too scared. Yeah. How, how has your week been? Or- I've been, I've been good. Just tired, you know? Just tired. But I'm here, breathing. Um, well, we'd like to thank the writers of these stories that um let us read them on the podcast if there are links to the stories they're in the notes just so you they're in the description yes yep and and have a spooktacular time listening to these little short stories we hope you like them turn off the light well not if you're driving don't (laughs) don't like if you're driving do not close your eyes do not (laughs) no I always wonder if people who are driving and listening to campfire stories if they hear the sounds that are in the campfire stories and they like like what the fuck was that no honestly quick story when one of your not i was listening to the campfire stories i don't know which one but Mm -hmm. it was when uh i was just in my room (laughs) by myself that's the worst best time and uh (laughs) i had my headphones on and my dumb ass was like all i heard was the knocking and i was like (laughs) (laughs) And I was home alone, like, oh my god, I was terrified. So uh, you did a good job, Catherine. Good job. Great. So even the person who recorded this with you, (laughs) the thing is that when you record it, you don't get the sound effect. So like, if you listen to, even though you recorded the story, if you listen to it after the fact, it's likely you would still get spooked. I still get spooked when mm-hmm. I re-listen to it. Exactly. Um, but mm, me too. Just sit back and relax, and um, enjoy the show. Enjoy the show, and try not to get too spooked. You know. And spooky babes, remember, the world's a better place with you in it. Uh, you matter to us, and we will see you in your nightmares.
Recently, my security company started providing 24-hour services for a recreational marijuana establishment, and I worked a handful of evening and overnight shifts here. Early this week, being May in Colorado, there was a thick fog resulting from a brief cold spring rain earlier that night. On this night, I was working midnight to 8 a.m., and the area was relatively void of vehicle traffic or foot traffic. At around 3 in the morning, tired, cold, and bored, I walked to the gas station that shares a general proximity to my site. The fog was rolling in and out, and at times thicker than normal fog. The clerk of the gas station told that a non-intoxicated person had came in being chatty. She was a generally polite lady, just talked a mile a minute, due to her little contact with sober or paying customers. Since I could see the majority of the property from the front doors of the gas station, I decided to stick around a few minutes longer and continue our conversation while we smoked a cigarette and I drank my warm coffee. Within two or three long, dry drags of my cigarette, a sheet of fog rolled down from the hill, as well as the highway. Both fog clouds ended up clashing in the street in front of both properties. The fog danced heavily back and forth in the street for several minutes. At times, the opposite side of the street was vanished behind thick gray mist with quick broken breaks where flashes of the opposite side of the street had become visible. Nearly finished with my cigarette, the gas station clerk and I saw the crosswalk signal change on our side. Unable to see whom was coming, we paid little attention. Halfway through the light cycle, when the flashing hand signaling began, we saw a rough outline of a person, but nearly no features. By nearly no features, I mean we saw a head with a face that was heavily shadowed from the streetlight and shoulders. With no warning, the streetlight changed. Changed like there was never anyone who pressed the crosswalk button and just cycled normally as it does every so often. Still in the street, standing in the middle of the eastbound through lane, closest to our curb, the figure stopped and froze. Thinking it may have been a narcotics user that frequents the area and was possibly tripping, I yelled out, Get out of the street, bud! As the last syllable left my lips, a blaring horn from a semi ringing out from just up the street. The driver, with little time to react, began standing on his brake and hoped that he would stop in time. Thud! The clerk beside me began screaming as I threw my nearly empty drink to the ground and ran towards the street. Panic rang from the driver and clerk. Not being able to think between both hollering, The road is wet. I couldn't stop in enough time. Please tell me he's okay. The driver began shouting as the clerk was repeat yelling, I called 911. I quickly pulled my flashlight from my belt and began searching for what I assumed would have been a mangled corpse. But, to my dismay, no person was anywhere around or under the semi. I took my flashlight and began scanning every inch. There was no damage, no blood, no body. The driver now collected, yet also confused, asked, You saw me hit someone too, didn't you? Scanning both sides of the street at this point for anyone. I replied, I thought I did. The police and firemen showed up shortly after, as the police and fire station for this town is very close by. After both sets of first responders searched around, the fog just disappeared. The tire marked from the semi-truck could be seen clearly, but no 
blood, no person, no nothing. Angry, the police then began lecturing the gas station clerk about false reporting. But being a small town where this happened, the responding cops knew her well. At this time, I stepped in, asserting into the conversation, stating that we both saw the person standing in the street, but we couldn't see them. But we couldn't see them well due to the thick fog. Since all three stories matched, the police and fire units left, but still thinking it was a sick joke, issued us a warning. The next night, I worked the same shift, but it was more raining than foggy and misty. Just around 1.30 a.m. when I was up and walking around the building, a nighttime supervisor with the local police stopped at the gas station. This isn't uncommon as it's the only gas station in that town open overnight, but within a few minutes I hear the clerk yell from her front doors, Dan, come here quickly! I walked over to find the police shift supervisor leaning on the counter. You were here last night when the truck supposedly hit someone, right? He asked. Yes, sir. I was here standing out front when we thought we saw someone get hit. With a quick flick of his wrist, gesturing to come over, he began playing a video clip on his work phone. This is the intersection camera from 15 minutes before we arrived for the 911 call. Interested, I leaned in. The camera shone a figure barely visible from the fog, walking down the highway ramp just a little ways up from the crosswalk. It took about two minutes for the undefined silhouette to reach the crosswalk, and it didn't seem like the figure even pressed the button as the crosswalk light shone walk. As the figure began into the street, on the westbound side, the camera blinks. The officer then turned up the play screen speed. After what shown to be just about seven minutes of a black screen time lapsed, the picture reappeared from the truck stopped. The picture reappeared with the truck stopped in the street and my flashlight seen shining under the vehicle. And the emergency lights came into view. The officer then stopped the video. We watched the clip several times. We can't explain we can't explain why the feed cut out for so long like it did. But we are sure that you two thought you may have seen someone get hit by a truck. The officer said in a firm voice. He then followed. The driver claimed he was exhausted and pulling off the highway for the night. After you and him examined his truck, he thinks that the thud he heard may have been something minute and just let his mind run wild. After talking for several more minutes, I left and went back to my car. I sat there staring at the crosswalk and listened to the rain hit the roof. Did we actually see a person walk into the crosswalk or did a phantom cross the road? I can see ghosts and I happen to have eight ghosts in my house. And this is just the story of one. I live in my current home since I, I've lived in my current home since I was two years old. And it just so happens that moving into this house is my first vivid memory and my first ghost encounter. The house was built in 1930 and has only ever had two families living there before us. Compared to most haunted houses, it's a pretty young house. When we moved in, I ran straight to the kitchen and started talking to a woman that was standing there. She was dressed in all black and had her hair up in a bun. She said she was the past owner and she was making us some cakes to celebrate us moving in, but had to be quick because she was on her way out. My parents just stood there laughing, thinking I'm talking nonsense, 
until I tell him about the cakes that the woman is making for us, and they are immediately confused because no one's there. They mention it to my gran, who's a big believer in ghosts, and she asks me to describe her. So I did. To this day, I'm still shaken about how accurate my description of this woman was. The description I gave her was exactly how the original owner's wife looked when she was young, who had died a few years before I was even born. Two-year-old me, back in 2004, was having a conversation with a ghost stuck in her 1930s forms. She's still around today. Whenever I decide to bake, she's immediately by my side watching me. I suppose I'll begin with a bit of background info. I'll try not to be too long-winded, but it's quite the experience and worth doing justice, so bear with me. A bit about me, I've had multiple paranormal encounters. Once every few years, all throughout my life, I'm currently 27, yeah, something strange and unexplainable always seems to occur when I least expect it, which rarely has much to offer in the way of rational explanation. Examples include atypical electrical weirdness only in my presence, inanimate objects moved out of place while alone, multiple instances of UFO phenomena, dream visitations by deceased relatives, and the one instance I'll share with you all here. This particular experience dates back about five years ago and took place on a back road in the Appalachian Mountains of Western North Carolina. It was sometime after dark and an ex and I were driving back to town we lived in at the time, located a couple hours north of Asheville, after visiting family there for the weekend. It was a clear summer night and there was very little traffic on this country road. The weather was nice and we had the windows down to feel the breeze. We weren't saying much, just listening to some music or podcast or something. After seeing no one else for at least 10 to 15 minutes, we rounded the corner onto a long straightaway stretch of road about a mile long that's visibly clear to the next curve in the road. As we rounded the bend, another car's headlights could be seen rounding the opposite corner coming in our direction with the high beams on bright. While most drivers tend to dim their lights when approaching oncoming traffic, this one did not. This prompted me to flash my lights to try and remind them their brights were on, which I tried multiple times to no avail. At this point, my ex and I were a bit flustered and were commenting on how obnoxiously powerful some car's headlights can be sometimes, just ready to pass this person. Just as we came within about 10 yards from passing each other, the oncoming light shut off. Completely. And there was nothing there. No car could be seen, nothing was heard whooshing past us as we passed by with the windows down, no taillights were seen in the rearview mirror. Both my ex and I are rigid and our hair stood on end. She just solemnly cut off the stereo and we sat in silence for what felt like forever before verifying that the other person had seen it too, and trying to make sense of it. I had little doubt of the paranormal at this point in my life, but my ex was much more skeptical even after this happened, albeit less than she'd been prior. Nothing much out of the ordinary seemed to result from this encounter, at least not that I could directly attribute to it. But it's a vivid memory I think of often. I was on a plane once and I noticed that although people were still boarding, it was a large number of seats around me unoccupied. The last people on, though, were all together and consisted of one large family traveling together. There are four adults and about 10 children, ranging from toddler age to high school young adult. They had the usual look of a large group traveling with children. 
some of whom were shy and withdrawn, others who were running around, and adults looking frazzled, trying to keep everyone and everything together. When they had all been seated, there seemed to be an issue with the seats. As one member of their party was, was supposed to sit several rows back, the flight attendant apologized and said that it happens, that sometimes their computer will shuffle sequential seating, but assured them that there was seating available for everyone. The family sat down, minus one, and started with the usual, that's a shame, I wish they could sit up here, talk. It seemed that their party was surrounding me. I stopped the flight attendant and asked her if I could switch seats with another passenger. This caught attention of the large group, perhaps anticipating a complaint, but the flight attendant told me no. They don't usually do that, and everyone had been seated, but asked if there was a problem with where I was sitting. I explained to her that I was traveling solo and I did not care where I sat, and I asked if I could give up my seat to the member of the family who was absent, as my seat would have put them in the midst of their group. The family overheard and was thanking me. As I retrieved my bag from overhead, I followed the flight attendant to the family member's seat. She explained what was happening and I noticed that their family member, a young girl, maybe 12 years old, seemed to be in a hurry to get back to her family and thanked me four times. She practically ran up the aisle. Before I could sit down, the man who was sitting next to her was literally staring with his mouth open and asked, what's the problem? No, that little girl was sitting here first. Red flag number one. And the flight attendant explained to him what was happening, and he immediately looked at me and said, No, I don't want to sit next to him. Where's the little girl going? She explained to him that there was no issue and there was nothing she could do now. I think it was, she was getting the same vibe. Now, I want to assure everyone that I'm not in the habit of judging people by their appearance, but this guy was the definition of red flags. He was overweight and paunchy, that overweight with no muscle tone look that some people have. Half bald, a few strands of comb over, thick glasses, no chin. He was a mouth breather and kept his mouth open, constantly drooling on himself and then sucking it back in between heavy breathing. If there was a textbook example of a creep, it would be him. I was putting my bag overhead and he started talking to himself under his breath about how this was BS. Just my luck. Wasn't bothering anyone. And why would they move that girl? I wanted to say something to him but didn't. It wasn't long before my neighbor got a call and was talking about an upcoming court appearance. I overheard no victim's testimony and rarely show up and people wouldn't ask me to babysit if I was like that. The only time I said anything to him was when he was blatantly watching porn on his laptop with his headphones in, grunting, wheezing, sweating, and kept repeating, little bitch, when a part was on that he evidently liked. Then took a blanket and covered his lap his hands fidgeting underneath. As soon as I saw he intended keeping them there, I pretended to reach for the call button, and then he jerked his hands out and started muttering under his breath about me minding my own business. At some point, I got up to use the restroom, and when I returned, he was on the phone again, and I caught something about the ass on her, no, switch seats from me, got away, haha, and he shut up as soon as he saw me approaching. The creep went to sleep eventually and fortunately stayed asleep the rest of the flight. We were all deboarding. A woman, I presume was the mother, standing with the girl, said thank you again. I shudder to think how he acted in the short time she was next to him or how he would have acted if she remained there. Shocking absolutely nobody, including himself, he was met at the gate by security and police and he was being led away. He said, this isn't my laptop, by the way. Okay, 
So let me preface this by saying, since about 1999-2000, I've been getting accused of being places, having conversations I don't remember, etc. This other me always drives the same car I have. I think the two of us have been swapping back and forth for two decades. Until this past autumn, it hadn't happened for several years. Then, in October, I was getting phone calls or people telling me later they saw me somewhere and that they were calling to me and I ignored them. In November, I was in a horrible car accident. My best friend lives about a mile from me. We were leaving my house and heading to hers. She left about two minutes before me, her 12-year-old daughter with her. About a minute after I left, she called to tell me she was stopping at the gas station and that I needed to get over into the right lane because there's a really bad accident blocking the left lane. She says it's weird because one of the vehicles in the accident looked exactly like mine. We hung up right before I went through an intersection about a quarter mile from the gas station and the intersection where the accident was. I set the phone next to me and the next thing I know I can only describe as my soul or life force being forcibly sucked back into my body. My left leg is pinned under the dashboard and the windshield is on top of me. I was somehow instantly transported six blocks to an accident that happened before I was even on that street. My best friend and her daughter say there's no way this could have happened because they passed the accident while on the phone with me. The people who stopped to help all said they didn't know what happened and didn't see anything. The street was full of cars. It was rush hour on a main street. When I say my van was totaled, I mean that no one knows how I survived. I had to be cut out of it. Once I was out of the hospital, I started noticing little things being just off. I just couldn't put my finger on what it is that's not right. I feel like I'm in a different reality, be it ever so slightly different. I think maybe my alt died and I lived. I don't know, but I can't figure out how the accident happened or how I went from one intersection to another in a split second. How my best friend and her 12-year-old daughter saw it while they were on the phone with me telling me about it. This whole situation is driving me nuts and maybe somewhere I have kids that are mourning their mother. Right before the accident was when several people said they saw me and since the accident no one has seen her and I don't know if anyone ever will. This is all just blowing my mind and whenever I try to tell someone about it they look at me like I need a padded room. I'd probably think that too if I didn't have independent witnesses. I work armed security in Colorado Springs and a few months ago a contract ended that we had for a couple years. The contract was overnight front desk and building monitoring for a community transitional apartment building, or more simply, a stepping stone apartment building for working homeless, waiting for public assisted housing. I hadn't worked this location since last summer, 2021, and the contract ended early 2022. Apparently, we were hired because overnight some people caused trouble, be it homeless from the shelter next door, less than deserving tenants conducting illegal business or standard issues involving apartment buildings. Security was limited on what we were able to handle as the building was ran by the shelter and leasing was through DHS and the state. I asked to be pulled after a two month rotation working there twice a week because hey, staring at cameras and walking a small four story building for 12 hours at a time is boring. While working there, I got to know a really cool older guy named David. David was a veteran that ended up getting caught up in drugs and alcohol when he got out of the military in the late 80s. Though he was homeless for most of his life, David never asked for handouts. 
but instead worked off any debt he felt he needed. Even though David was clean from drugs and alcohol for over a decade when I met him, he was suffering from a lifestyle in his old age. But despite his failing health, David got a job working at a deli located at one of my company's overnight patrol service properties. A few weeks ago, as I was checking the shopping center where the deli was located, I noticed a light on inside the deli and the dumpster behind the store had movement. I checked it out to find that David was standing next to the trash bag smoking a cigarette. After a brief friendly chat catching up, I told David I had to get back on the road, but I would be back later in the night. Happily, he acknowledged, but asked if I could do him a favor and bring him a fresh pack of Newport Reds as he would be here for a while. I agreed as he said, I just want to say thank you for being kind to me. Two hours later, I returned with the cigarettes and a gas station fruit pie. As I come behind his deli, I saw a food delivery truck and a couple of his co-workers unloading. I parked and walked up and asked him if David was still there. Confused, the men replied that David was dead. Upset, I replied, that's not funny, but the men said seriously that David died just after Valentine's Day on his way home from his shift at the deli from a heart attack. Not believing what the men were saying, I stopped at the transitional apartment building on the way to another property to drop off the cigarettes. At the front desk, the new security confirmed what the men at the deli had said. The new security then stated since he had no next of kin, his apartment was just emptied earlier that week. It's now been about five weeks since I saw David at that dumpster, and whenever I'm working patrol on that side of town, I stop and have a smoke with my friend even if I can't see him anymore.